really good uh, study this morning, at least, uh, with Galatians, and a lot of good questions. Hopefully, we can uh, have similar questions, but I guess we'll see. Um, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Let's see. Okay. Uh, awesome sermon tonight, by the way. Thank you. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, true story about that whole, uh, I don't know if you ever seen planet earth, you know, those. Yes. Um, he does. I'm honestly, I've, I think I've seen it, all the DVDs at Target or something. You know, they're all in that beautiful box, you know, yeah. and they look all nice. But I know there was some type of wilderness. But, yeah, I mean, that's a true story. I, I saw it on Yahoo today, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Hmm. All right. Well, I don't know. I think my wife is trying to – I'm not sure what's happening with the three Elliots. But um, three Elliots are trying to – she's using my son's account – from school, I think. Okay. But uh, it's not working. So I guess we'll just start maybe. All right. Anyways, uh, why don't we begin with a word of prayer? Let us pray. And dearly Father, we thank you for this day and, and for your word. Though we know that by your, by your work, we are saved. Lord, thank you for a blessed assurance, knowing that our conscience is cleansed and that we indeed are washed away uh, from all of our sins, and that you give us the keys to eternal life. Bless us in the comfort of Christ alone and uh, the faith to which we cling, knowing full well uh, that you are with us until the end of the age. Bless us in our start of Galatians, and may this go well with us as we grow in your word. Lord, for all these things we are thankful. We pray this in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right, so uh, continuing on here with Galatians. Now, what is Galatians, right? <laughs> it's a book in the Bible, of course. And uh, Galatians, now what is, this is uh, considered Paul's, uh, uh, one of his, I think his first letter uh, that he wrote uh, roughly after his first missionary journey there in 44 A.D., uh, after uh, visiting and, and, and beginning uh, teaching and these churches uh, setting up, uh, there he uh, now is hearing about what has happened in the churches. And in context of what he is speaking of in, in, in Galatians, it, the context is found in Acts 13 and 14, where there we see in Acts 13 and 14, uh, the places to which he went, and that includes Antioch, Iconium, and also uh, Lystra, right? So that's in Acts 13. And at that time, we see his journey through these cities. And um, as I turn to it, uh, there he visits Antioch 13, uh, verse uh, chapter 14, Iconium, and Lystra. But in the midst of that, in chapter 15 he and this is kind of one of the main things about this book is that there were these judaizers these people who taught basically jesus plus all these other things jesus plus works equals 
salvation. Now, what is the problem with Jesus plus works equals salvation? What is the problem with that? The plus Jesus works. The works. The work. Now, why is, I mean, are we, are we called to do the work of the Lord? Are we called to do good works? Yes, yes, we are. So what's the difference between being called to do good works versus faith and works equal salvation? What's the, how do we um, distinguish that? Salvation is by faith alone. All right. Yes. Okay, good. Um, therefore, works flow from from that, from the salvation, from the grace of God. The works would naturally flow. Yes. Yes, good. Good. So, you know, again, this is, um, and when we talk about the Judaizers, their issue was uh, in Acts 15. Let's look at it real quick. Verse one, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Uh, we see in verse five, uh, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Now, again, the, the key, is, uh, the, key uh, the false teaching of this all is that there's Jesus, but then you have to do these other things to be saved. Not only that, but also, um, when it comes to Jews and Gentiles, chosen Israel versus the outside, well, it's only, you know, again, it's only the, uh, it's only the chosen people. So there was definitely a racial kind of uh, a, a separation uh, between the two. So not only identity, but also circumcision was a big thing, right? Uh, and we see how the Judaizers would confuse the people in Galatia, and, and there a lot of people took that teaching. And when we start, now what is the danger with saying Jesus plus works? Like what is the danger of that? I got that one. You know, if, you, if you're going to go ahead and tell God that his son wasn't sufficient for the redemption of your sins, that it needs to be his son plus something else, you're going to upset God. <laughs> you know, because... Well, yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, and I think when you said first was, was key in a sense where you said Jesus and the sufficiency of his work. Now, when we say Jesus plus works, what are we saying about the cross? Whether so we apply it, it or not. It wasn't sufficient enough. <laughs> so are we when we say jesus and works are we is that what is the i guess at the end of the day the danger is what is that when it's not only christ then cecily yeah you're you're totally discounting grace the grace of god in any of it because then you're saying that god's grace and through what jesus did on the cross and his resurrection that that wasn't enough at all. Right. So you're taking, yeah. you're, it's almost like you're taking your salvation back on like yourself of what you yourself can do. You're not right. thanking God for his grace and through faith and believing, like Sheldon said, that Christ was all sufficient with his crucifixion, his death and his resurrection. Yeah, so, so when we talk about uh, the sufficiency of Christ and his work, uh, what about the conscience? How does, how does faith plus works 
what does that do with our conscience? I don't know about conscience, but now you're defining salvation in human terms. You're, you're let, letting people define what is good enough for salvation and not letting God define it. Right. And when that happens, when we talk about conscience, when we talk about, um, you know, uh, the reality of, let's say, our sin and guilt, I, I think inwardly, if it's about our works, then, you know, our conscience will never be at peace because we will definitely be terrified wondering if we have done enough. If it's faith plus works equals salvation. Now, I love, I, I, I strive to do the work of God, right? We strive to love our neighbor uh, because that's just who we are. It's not because we want to get there or we're not teetering on one. F Sorry, I'm waving my head. She's pretty smooth. My camera's pretty good. Thanks, Jeff. I, it's funny. Like one day I ran out of battery on my phone and I was, I'm like, and I forgot my charger. So I'm like, uh oh. And then I just find this random camera like intertwined in all the cords in the back and it actually worked just not even trying. So I guess it was always here since I've been here. I don't know why, but anyways, I don't know why I've never used it. Well, I never did video, but anyways, um, uh, what was the point? I, I don't know. But uh, when we, when we talk about the Judaizers, again, this is the, this is the danger of what they were doing. They were bringing a different gospel. And uh, when we talk about uh, the, the prevalent theme throughout Galatia or the Galatians, this is uh, basically what, you know, uh, what Paul was facing and what a great, I guess, I think that's our greatest fear, isn't it? Is that people say Jesus plus something else. Now, I say that because when we talk about Judaizers, how does that manifest itself in present day Christianity? I, go through, not that all the time. I go through that all the time with my coworkers at work. Because I got I got Christians all around me, and but the, they'll say that it you know you works is important. You really need to do that to be saved. And I, and we listen to the gospel on the radio from ten thirty to eleven thirty every day. And when they finally start talking about, it, I'm like, stop, listen, and they they won't do it. They won't do it. They think it's works plus Christ. And I I say you're gonna make God angry, dude. Um, because you're just gonna be. Christ is sufficient for the redemption of your sins. You, you, you finish it all on the cross. And you, you want to add works to that? Well, you, you know, works come naturally anyway. When you want to be a good Christian, you know, um, but it's not necessary for the redemption of your sins. So I don't understand why they, they don't get it. Even when the preacher says it on the radio and it's like, whatever, you know, it, it, it just falls on deaf ears. And with the Judaizers, this is kind of a similar thing. And, and you know, I, I think it's, it's important for you all to be discerning of this Judaizer-type movement, right? I mean, it shows its face in so many different ways. Uh, we talk about decision theology. We, we, thought, we talk about giving our lives to the Lord uh in, in a sense of making that decision or um or we talked about baptism now a lot of people would say baptism is a time that we make a public declaration of our of our belief in christ jesus right and for, for us lutherans it's actually the opposite right it's 
God gathering us by his grace through his word, that he saves us. We're not making, we're not giving, we're not doing anything a part of this, right? It's God who is outpouring by his word, gathering us into his promise, right? And I think that's, that's where the plus works becomes in a lot of Christianity today is the love of Christ morphs into, I think we talked about this at an elders meeting on the book I was reading, but the love of Christ becomes just a, a pivot point to the works that we ought to love one another. Does that make sense? Like the love of Christ, it subtly sways away from the cross and suddenly everything is emphasizing the works-based faith. And um, I think there, there is that subtle shift. So I, I think when people tell me, let's say, um, why do we always have to hear about Jesus? Um, and um, <laughs> then I tell them more about Jesus, right? Because this is what our faith is and we need to hear it all the time, right? Would you, uh, would you, guys, would you guys agree that um, works does please God though? Yeah, yeah, definitely it does. It is pleasing to the Lord, right? Uh, it doesn't save us. And it's a big difference. Um, it definitely pleases the Lord, uh, but it doesn't save us. And I think when those moments come, when you do something, let's say, good and loving, serving neighbor, there is that instinct that you might have and, and you might tell yourself, look how good I am. That's, I think, the, I think that's the Judaizer in us. Do you see it? Would you believe it's... Would you believe it's dangerous territory to say that if you're thinking, you know, the more works I do, the more blessings I'll get? Very dangerous right there, right? Yeah, that's, a, very, that's a transaction. <laughs> sounds very selfish. Yeah. Sounds very selfish. But, again, in world religion, isn't that what it is? I mean, in world religion as a whole, it's I have to do something, Don, transaction, right, to get something, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability in order to get there. I mean, that's a transactional thing. Legalism, right? Uh, so, well, again... We all know that, that, you know, we receive blessings according to God's will, but, um, you know, when he calls us to do things, and if we don't, you know, we're not going to receive those blessings until we do. Is Don't we hear that often in sermons and, and stuff? I don't think I've ever... I don't think I've ever said that. Well, Did I ever say that? No, I, don't I don't know. Believe you have. Have no, I? I don't believe you I have. Don't think I've said that. Well, I don't know. I don't. I read that. a lot of daily devotionals too, and it's like you know, the Lord wants to bless you, but he—it's he, on His timing, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think it's very careful that it's—it's it's not transactional. Definitely, God does bless us, uh, uh, not because word remember what does it say in the catechism that uh first article of the creed that it's not by what we have done but out of the fatherly goodness what is it oh, I, but out of the fatherly fatherly divine goodness without any merit or worthiness in me uh, uh god uh continues to care for us and it's not out of what we have done but out of his fatherly divine goodness that he continues to care for us through all things and i think that's it's not a transactional thing because if it's transactional, I think Don would be um, super blessed. <laughs> See, I, I bomb on him for being an engineer. So I have to kind of uh, swing back the pendulum because I feel bad. Right, Don? Got, that's a plus two, right? 
Let's do okay. All right. So um, <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh, so yes. So here we see as we look at the context written uh, probably 49 to 54 around that time after his first missionary journey. Um, here he is writing uh, to Galatia. In Galatia, uh, he writes, um, if I had a map for you, I would show you, but um, all these cities there in Galatia and um, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. And he's addressing the Galatian churches for what they're going through. Now, let us kick in here. Verse 1 real quick. Verse 1, if someone could read that. Sure. Paul, an apostle, sent not for men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God, the Father, who raised him from the dead. Okay, so, apostolos, right? The apostle. That means, uh, literally, in Greek, the sent, the sent. Now, um, the question is, was Paul sent? And the answer is, yes, right? <laughs> Acts chapter 9, right? Uh, we see in Acts chapter 9 real quick, and uh, there we see, you know, the Damascus Road, uh, the scales <clears throat> on his eyes, uh, Ananias, knowing who, Saint, uh, who, who he was, uh, he's like, you know who this is, right, Lord? And uh, in Acts 9, verse 15, the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Um, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Right? So again, this is the Lord saying that Paul is the chosen instrument, that he is the sent one from God. Now, why, why does he, every one of you have an address, don't you? Yes. Um, and your address uh, Don is, he is a man with, <laughs> with a lot of engineering background. Uh, he would, and when someone knows about engineers, I don't know too much about engineers, but definitely, uh, we can assume that they know a lot of things, a lot of numbers, a lot of algorithms, all these complicated things. Um, Jeff would address himself as a, um, What would Jeff address himself as? What would you address yourself as, Jeff? Uh, MacGyver. <laughs> Richard Dean Anderson. I good know answer. you're Richard Dean Anderson. I... <laughs> That's a good answer. So in that address, we would get a lot out of who he is, that he is a Swiss Army knife, right? He has a corkscrew. He has a little uh, bottle opener. He has a little knife, right? He has a little toothpick, right? Uh and, and, you know, Cecily or Dave, you all have addresses of some kind, and your address really shows, like, what you do and where you come from, right? Um, you know, for me, you know, hello, my name is Pastor Jung, and quickly, uh, sometimes when they hear pastor, they think um, we walk on holy ground, but I have to clear, <laughs> clear, quickly clear out with them that I'm like you too. I'm human, right? I'm human. Um, and I... And I show them kind of the works of what this faith is all about. But for Paul, he says what? He says he is sent by God. Now, if he is sent by God, what he is, what is he implying to the hearer about his word that he is about to tell them? What is he implying to the hearer? That he has authority. He has authority. Not from men, right? But through Jesus Christ. 
and God the Father. Now, what authority, where is that authority rooted, Don? In? The Word. In the Word, in Christ, right? In God the Father. So, with knowing what they are going through in their struggles with false teaching, why does St. Paul remind them who he is? Bring them back. Yeah. To bring them back to uh, the original teachings rather than going on these tributaries that they're starting to sail on. Yeah, yeah, on these circumcision parties, uh, on these works parties, on these... Uh, uh, are, are you are, are you part of Israel or not? Uh, and 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 Saint Paul is saying, look, I'm I'm sent from God to give you the word. Listen, right? Listen to what I have already taught you, but I'm going to tell you again. Um, but who is this God? Now that's very important. How does he just? He says through Jesus Christ and Kai from the Greek, and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now, why does he say this? Was this just to be all snazzy and verbose? What was the point of this? Why was he saying Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead? Why is that so important in in magnifying what he is about to say and what this faith is all about, in light of what they're going through with false teaching. Anyone? Well, to establish the fact of the triune God, maybe? Good. Yes. Without the resurrection, your faith is in vain. Yes, good. So he is subtly emphasizing the importance of the resurrection, also emphasizing in the Jesus Christ and God the Father, that Jesus is God and he died for their sins and he was raised from the dead and he is, as, as Sheldon said earlier, the sufficient sacrifice for our sins, right? Um, also, if you could turn to Acts or Romans 4.25 for me real quick, if someone could read that real quick, Romans 4.25. Hey, Jeff, Mark, are you out there? I'm here, yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're being quiet. Actually, at church in the other room. I uh, <laughs> I just I just muted myself, so I don't. I've got, I've got 425. He he who was delivered over because of our transgressions, and was raised because of our justification. Okay, good, good. Raised for our justification. Now, why is that so important when we talk about the resurrection? Raised, so justification ideally means what? Declared righteous. So in his resurrection, we were declared righteous. So in that declaration of our own righteousness, Dave Malding is righteous. And Dave, oh, wait, I, I'm, not that, I'm not that good, right? And I'm like, no, you are. You are a saint. You are holy. Oh, pastor, come on. You're so generous with your words, right? But you are. All of you are because... You are covered by the blood and the resurrection of our Lord, right? This is who we are. By, that's why faith is so important. So when we talk about uh, uh, Paul's address of raised from the dead, he is subtly combating or, or uh, defending against the Judaizers who are saying what? Who are saying Jesus is not enough and you have to do all these things. 
what St. Paul is saying is, no, <laughs> Jesus has done it already, and he has finished it, and it's over. He was raised for our uh, justification. We are declared righteous in God's sight. And that righteousness is what they were still toiling with because they thought that they needed to plus, plus one, plus two, plus three, right? Um, when we do that, we believe in a different God, right? If it's not only Christ, then we're believing we have a different faith. And, and that's the, the great caution of the Judaizers. And this is what St. Paul is trying to really hammer in here uh, for the people who have gone by the wayside um, and ultimately who have swayed away from Paul's teaching, right? The teaching from God as Paul was sent to give the very word of God. They were turning away from God's word, Paul's teaching, right? Um, okay, uh, as we continue on here, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, right? All right, so the brothers, we're not quite sure who they might be in a sense of what he is addressing here completely, uh, but definitely brothers in the faith uh, to the churches of Galatia. Uh, verse three, if someone could read that for me. Yes, I can. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so when we talk about, again, the context of what his hearers are, you know, and Marjorie said this morning, he said, she said, don't you, don't you like say that during every preaching? I'm like, I think, yeah, I do. Right. Grace, mercy, and peace. Now, why do we, why is this address so important um, in light of the context of which the Galatians are facing? We talked about grace earlier, right? Uh, it wouldn't be grace then. Um, it, it so, represents, it represents where he's coming from because even in a footnote here, some of Paul's accusers had even followed him um, to those Galatian cities and were trying to convert people about telling them that, you know, uh, you know, the laws were important and stuff. This is a struggle. You know, it's like he, 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 oh, he opens up and says, you know, I represent God and Satan's obviously working in the same time. This is about 49, uh, AD, right? And yeah, yeah. These people, these people actually followed Paul to to uproot what he's trying to preach, saying, you know what, the law is still sufficient. There's a big fight going on right now. Yeah, yeah, with the not with the principalities of the world, but with the uh, spiritual forces of evil, Ephesians six twelve, and and yeah, I mean, this is what's really happening here. So when he says grace to you and peace. Uh, in light of what they're going through, grace implies what? What does grace imply? Grace to you. What does that imply? What is Paul really saying about human works? Grace is an undeserving gift, right? Yes. Okay. So, so he is saying, basically, it's not by what you have done but solely by the grace of God that you are, well, delivered uh, salvation, right? That grace is a part, a part, separated from human effort, that God works, he acts, he delivers and declares us righteous by his grace, undeserved gift, not by our own merits. Um, and, oh, Sheldon went dark. 
now he's back. All right. So, uh, but grace is not, is not what we have done. Now, can, isn't it easy to mix up grace with works? I think when we do that, we're kind of contradictor, we're contradicting the whole meaning of grace, right? Uh, because, because grace is without us. It's, it's all God acting for us and giving us this gift of grace. Now, because of this grace uh, by God, what does, uh, what does peace imply here? Grace to you and peace. What is peace? Is peace a feeling? Is it like this tranquil feeling that I smell the, smell the roses and have peace or, or I'm watching my chargers? Well, hopefully they're winning when you have peace. But um, it, what, what is peace? What, what is this? I think it's a feeling for sure. It's, it's peace in knowing that your faith comforts you. It's definitely a feeling. I, I have constant peace in knowing that the Lord has taken care of me. No, I, I think I know what you mean. I know, I know what you mean, Sheldon, but I think, okay. I think on the other, on the other end of that, what does the world define peace as? If a non if someone who didn't believe in the word said, peace be to you, what is their definition of that? Absence of, of conflict. Yeah, absence of conflict. That's good. Yeah, absence good. of conflict. Very good. Um, so in the midst of, as Christians, <clears throat> grace to you and peace, what is the conflict? What is, what is the true conflict for us Christians? Sin. Yes. It's sin death and the power of the devil. Uh, now, what does Jesus do to bring us to his peace? He, he, by his grace, he dies on the cross for our sins. And, and there by his grace, we do have peace. That is, the, the spiritual war, the battle has been won. The victory is Christ over sin, death, and the power of the devil. That Jesus wins this battle through his victory on the cross and empty tomb. And also, even further, by his work, the Lord gives us a peaceable conscience that we indeed are right with God, that our status with God is good and righteous as we are covered by the body and blood of Jesus. This is the peace that surpasses all understanding that guards and hearts, guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, as we always conclude every sermon, right? May the peace of God and that peace of God is a reconciliatory work that he has given to us in Christ Jesus um, in his work, even in your baptism as well, uh, even in the supper where there you are also forgiven, right? So when we talk about peace, it's not a, a worldly kind of calm because those fluctuate. The, the, the thing that differentiates the peace of God is that his peace is objective. His peace is eternal. That whatever we are going through in the suffering that we face, the struggle, the, the tentatio, the, the spiritual attacks that we might face, there the peace of God never wavers. It's always the same. It never fluctuates because it is finished by the body and blood of Jesus, right? Um, and, and this is very important to hone in on because I think when we talk about works, faith plus works equals salvation. Um, meriting salvation through our works, that peace 
is a whole different picture, isn't it? That peace needs to be attained by what you have done. And if that's the case, uh, we will never have certain peace. We might convince ourselves that we are at peace, but we will never be assured of that because we'll always wonder, question mark, have I done enough? Does that make sense? Right. That, that poses a question. I got a question for you then. So yeah. when, I, when I spoke to you about how I know that I'm comforted by God's peace, you know, daily, the people that don't have the Holy Spirit can't understand that peace. And they can't understand God's word either. I think you've taught us that. So when we speak of this kind of peace that we have, it falls on deaf ears again. Once again, because they can't fathom it or comprehend it or understand it because they don't have the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, again, it's all about faith in God's word and what that peace is, right, Sheldon? So, you know, when we talk about peace, I think a lot of people think, as Dave and Don said, about uh, no conflict, uh, no, no fighting, uh, 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 being at rest. Uh, people are always searching for peace in so many different ways. And for us, it's, we still face the struggle of our flesh. But where we cling in our faith is to the peace of Christ. That peace is his redemption, his, his uh, work that reconciles us to God, which is that peace. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? That peace was broken. That oneness with God was separated, and sin and death came into the world. So therefore, because of that sin and death, there is unrest. There is uh, uh, the lack of peace in this world separated from God, spiritual darkness. Um, and the way in which that peace is true is only through God the Father, Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead. Again, you know, when we start adding what we have done, there that peace also becomes just as shaky because if it's dependent upon our own human work, no. And trust me, I was there once in my life as a Christian. Have I done enough? And I said, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm not good enough. I just don't deserve to be a Christian. And I just, I don't think I can never measure up. And that's what I always thought when I was younger. They, they tell me I have to do all these things to be a better disciple. And I, I just, I, I can't cut it. I, I fall short and I, I strive, but still I fall short. I'm not perfect. And, and there was a moment there where those works was just like hammered into me in a sense where if you don't do that, then you're not, you're not that, right? You're, you better improve yourself. And, uh, and at the end of the day, if I look back on my former self and my younger self, I'd be like, yeah, my peace was in my works. I mean, my, my assurance was in my works. And at the end of the day, if that's, if that's what it was, I have no, I will never have peace if it was attained by my own merits. And, and this is, I think, a, a very important thing here as St. Paul is redirecting them back to the true gospel, right? Turning them, turning them to their focus on the Christ and who he is. Uh, he says right here uh, in verse four, so we can read that, verse four. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. Good, good. So what is happening here? He is speaking of grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Who is this Jesus? What did this Jesus do for them? What does it say right there in verse 4? I know you just read it, Sheldon, but what does it say? He died for us. Yeah. Well, it's an evil age. Why is this who gave himself for our sins? What is that? Why is that verb so important? Who gave himself? What does that say? A gift. He, he did that's all a, the work. That's the gift. So when we talk about giving, was he betrayed into the hands of men? Yes. What does Jesus say at Gethsemane? He says, come, let us go. Right? Let's go. It's time to be betrayed. It's, it's time to go, right? He wasn't, he didn't put on his running shoes and let's run away. They're after us. He said, no, disciples, let's go. You know, we're ready. The time has come to be betrayed in the hands of men. And this is, uh, I think, what we talk about who gave himself for our sins. This is the grace of God, isn't it? Not by what we have done, but his giving to do what? What, what, why did he give himself to deliver us from the present evil age? Right? Um, and uh, we see there, um, um, on behalf of us, uh, there he goes, according to the will of our Lord, our God and Father. Right? So what is the will of God, you guys? What is the will of God? According to the will of God. Now, what is the will of God? To do his will and honor him, right? God wants us to honor him and, and do his will. Okay, all right. Uh, yes, uh, Jesus does say uh, uh, to love and serve, right? Uh, but even, even in the middle of that, what is God's... In light of the Judaizers and what they're facing here, what is the will of God? What is the will of God? Evangelism and love neighbor. The Great Commission, good. That, that's also his will. But even, even before that. There's a lot of right answers here. That's right. But based on these verses here, what is the will of God? Based on these verses that you see in 1, 2, 3, and 4, what is the will of God? Simply. That all people would be saved. Yeah, we, we see the will of God, right? Raised from the dead, who gave himself for our sins. The will of God is to do what? As it says in the Catechism, uh, to break and hinder the power of the devil, to save us and rescue us from our sin, to, to grant us eternal salvation. First uh, Timothy 2.4, we talked about that in Jonah, right? Uh, for all to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So when we talk about the will of God, at the end of the day, it's Jesus. The will of God is Jesus, not faith plus works and then you're saved. But the will of God is to save you. How does he save you? The word made flesh, John 1, 14. We talked about that last week in our sermon about uh, the word made flesh, uh, full of grace and truth, the glory of God uh, shown to us through the sending of the Son. And again, St. Paul is trying to hammer home what God has done through his grace and peace, that his will is to save, right? And he does that by Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead, right? This is where our faith clings. At the end of the day, as the devil is the master accuser, he doesn't take out his claws and, and tries to, at, at times, uh, I think the, the greatest way he attacks us is what? By snatching away the word of God from us. That is his greatest, 
once the armor is done, Luther said it in our quote today, in our, in our sermon today, uh, when we are armed, the devil finds, he goes to another way because he knows that when we are armed in the word of God, there is, there is nothing he can do, right? That's, what, that's why your sermon was so awesome tonight, because that's what your sermon was all about. The, the devil is at his best when he takes away your, your, the word from you or when and, and, you become lazy. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and, and, and for the Judaizers here teaching the Galatians, that's what was happening. The word was diluted. The word was confused. The Lord was commingling with all these false teachings. And it, it really, uh, and many people turned away from God and his word here and the will of God. And I think this is, um, again, a, a very important uh, thing here as St. Paul is trying to really hammer home who this Jesus is for them and the will of God to be saved, right? Uh, verse 5 real quick, so we could read that real quick. I know it's getting late, but. To whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. All right. Uh, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the Greek, uh, we talk about uh, the, Ion, the Ionan, uh, this, and this repetition of um, Ionan, uh, I think it's Ionian, Ionia, uh, this two-word repetition of eternal, forever and ever, uh, the picture of where our praise, why do we praise the Lord forever and ever? Why does the glory of God belong to him through all things? Because our salvation is based on his work alone. All glory goes to our God because he has finished all things now and forevermore. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And forever and ever, we praise the Lord for all that he has done. There is nothing we look to ourselves to praise ourselves for what we have done in front of God. Right? Um, there is nothing we can do for that. But rather, we praise the Lord because we are solely dependent upon his grace that gives us his peace. Um, so therefore, what St. Paul is saying is that the subject of our praise uh, uh, is, is our Lord, because he is doing all the saving verbs. He is saving us. He is rescuing us. And therefore, not man, but rather God, we praise him. Okay, one more. Sorry. Verse 6. <laughs> one more. Verse 6. Got it. One, one more. Yeah. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Okay, so I am marveling, right? Uh, the Thaumadzu, the, the I am astonished that you are so to chaos, that, that quickly. Now, why is uh, St. Paul is so surprised? He's so astonished that they're quickly deserting, deserting him or, or departing from him, um, uh, from the one who called them um, through the grace of Christ uh, to a different gospel. Now, why is that so quickly sobering? Why is that a sobering thought, you think? He probably thought at the time that he preached to them that they had understood and accepted his original message. Yeah, yeah, good. Uh, this one's clock. Nice. It reminds me of 60 minutes, remember? Anyways, um, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, but the point is, is that no one is immune. Does that make sense? Like, 
we, we, we heard the sermon tonight about resist him and stand firm, right? Uh, uh, the devil is like a prowling lion ready to attack. I, I think for all of us, once we start getting comfortable, once we start settling into our own way, what happens? We too quickly turn, right? And that's why I think St. Paul is saying uh, the itching ear, right, is there. And so quickly they are deserting the one who called them. And I think it's a reality for all of us that, yes, I think a lot of times it's, uh, you know, that whole treadmill diseases that I always talk about. Oh, I heard the word of God. I'll take a week off. I'll take a month off. I'll take a year off. I still am a believer in God and all these things, right? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But after a while, when we stop hearing God's word, what happens? We're, on, we're in a different place and, and we turned so quick and we didn't even know it, right? And, and this is where I think when we talk about our sinful flesh, um, how quickly it is to fall from faith. He sees it in these people. Uh, the Lord says at Gethsemane, what? He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Flesh is weak, right? Um, and that is why the word is so important for us to hear. Right? It's not, it's not a, I already know this, but rather when we hear God's word, there, uh, the, the spirit of truth is guiding us by his word and strengthening us in the gospel, Right? Uh, hearing that word is so important because trust me, when we're, when we're not hearing God's word, uh, we are being taught in so many other ways by what this world is telling us. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know if you see it in your life, but when we're not hearing God's word, we're being catechized in so many different ways. Oh. And um, so easily yeah. can we turn. That's and why be Bible comfortable. study is so important in, in all the sermons you preach and, and you stand plugged in. You've got to stay plugged in. But Sheldon, the question is, why do you think, why do you think, why do you think um, we have all these services? Like we do Facebook Live in the morning from Tuesday to Saturday. We have Bible studies on Wednesday. We do two services a week. But why do you think we, is it because we just want to be busybodies? Is that why we do this? Oh, no, not for me. But, but I mean, I, why I do we, why do are we constantly giving the word? Why is that? What are we implying when we're giving the word in so many different ways? Why is it, why do we do this? Um, I know, I know first and foremost, God wants me to know who he is and he wants me to do his will and he wants to know how much I, he loves me and he wants me to love his creation and his people. He wants me to help people. He, he wants a million things for me to do. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, he wants me to evangelize. He wants me to, to, to get buried in his word so that I get attacked by the devil, that I have weapons and I have a breastplate and a helmet. He wants me to have all these things. I can't have any of these things without being in the word and opening this book. That's right. And that's why I think as a church, we're constantly getting that word out because we know how important that word is for people to really reside and remain in Christ Jesus, right? Um, and hearing the word is not a work. Hearing the word is a joyous time as we dwell upon the, 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 the excellencies of God, right? Uh, as we proclaim those excellencies of God to our friends and neighbors. And, and again, uh, the reality is, if you know your flesh for what it is, there is children of God. The only place we can depend on is God and his word. Like, 
You, you know, I, I think, I know we'll, we're getting late here again. I always say that because we're always late. But, <laughs> but, but I, th I think that's where we, we kind of underestimate the, the reality of sin. Does that make sense? Sometimes we justify it and say, you know, we're not so bad. I, I, I could do this. I can do this on my own. You know, I, I'm a good person generally. You know, I don't do anything bad. So I, I think I'm in right standing with God and, and all these things. But, you know, when we, when we talk about the spiritual reality of the forces of evil, we very well know that the devil is working overtime on us. He's constantly trying to twist and turn us in so many different ways. Right? And there, Pastor, I've had, I've had two old bosses that have said exactly that. My two last service managers have actually said that. I'm a good person. I do good things. I'm in good favor of God. It's like, dude, you know, and it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. I got a footnote. Can I share real quick before we close? It sure. says, beware of people who say that they need more than simple faith in Christ to be saved. When people set up additional requirements for salvation, they deny the power of Christ's death on the cross, period. Good. That's right. And so quickly and so attractive are those other ways, right? The faith plus something else, because we always want to play. We always want our tangible assurance by what we've done. But at the end of the day, that's what faith is, trusting the one outside of ourselves, Jesus Christ, who, as you said right there, um, is sufficient uh, as our sacrifice. So anyways, uh, we will stop there. Uh, but we will get into uh, the different gospel as St. Paul talks about in verse 6 at the end there next week. But um, any questions before we close? No. We're good. <laughs> All right. All right. Let us close. Let us close with a word of prayer. Dearly Father, we thank you, O Lord, for your gospel of grace. Bless us, O Lord, in this faith as we trust in your will. Lord, we know that we fall short, but your will is to send your Son to die on the cross for our sins. And grant us your peace, knowing full well that we are covered by your grace and that we are saved and rescued from sin, death, and the grasp of the devil. Give us your peace this night as we end our day and, and, and grant us your comfort, knowing full well that by your work we are saved. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right, friends. All right. Another night. Good night, thank, everybody. Thank you, Good night, everyone. Thank Good you. Good to see you all. Good to see Good everyone. Bye-bye. Have a good week. Thank you, Pastor. Anytime. Anytime. Have a good night. Thank <laughs> you.